Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The Red Raider Outfitter Rockin' Pre-Game on 101.1. The Beard. Starring News Channel 11's Pete Christie. Inside the Red Raiders publisher, Jarrett Johnson. The Beard Sports Director, Sean Dillon. And host of the Rockin' Pre-Game, Jeff Scott. All right, welcome into the Rockin' Pre-Game today. Got some baseball coming up, you may have heard. It's a little thing called the Super Regional. So, yeah. That's a pretty exciting. It's going to be a very, very hot day. It's it's good they scheduled the uh, first pitch right at two o'clock, just uh, when you can really play the game in the the meat of the hottest part of the day. I, I that, that was that was some good planning. I thought on that. <laughs> Anybody else? Right. They have yeah. water stations there. Oh, folks, yeah, okay. Folks won't complain. I always go back to I don't know if you I don't remember what year it was, but when Tech opened this Tech football opened the season against SMU and they oh, ran yeah. and it was like a hundred and what like a million on the field and they ran out of water. <laughs> yeah, I was there just as a fan, and I didn't. Me and my buddy didn't wear suntan lotion, and I remember I had my hat on a Tech hat on backwards. And my whole face was red, and it did the outline of the open. It wasn't a fitted cap, you know, so I had, like, right. this crescent moon or half half moon, uh, anyways, uh, on, on my forehead. And we were walking down uh, uh, university there, and everybody was looking at us like, what? You know, and I was like, man, we, do we have targets on our heads? And evidently we did, you know, so. Oh, man. That's every time it's a day like the, today. I think about that game. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really because yeah, and I, I think it was you know they were selling water. They ran out of that, yeah. and then the water fountains barely had any water pressure. I mean, you couldn't even hardly. So, People were sucking the fountain yeah, basically <laughs> for survival. Yeah. Yeah. And and so yeah, I'll yeah I'll never forget that game. And I think that after that, that's when they kind of changed things to you know about you could bring water. Yes, yes. Which I mean, come on, you know, really you ought to be able to do that anyway. But you know what I remember about that? What I was up in the press box and I didn't know there was a water shortage, and I'm like, I'm on my third blue Powerade. <laughs> And people started ripping me. Man, uh, so. you, you're up there. Yeah, you should be down there in the cheap seats, man. Oh, yeah, it was, it was really hot. Yeah, well, I, didn't, I didn't know it was that hot out there. What? It was. Yeah. <laughs> I was it, just, it was as hot as they say. I, was, yeah. I can tell you. Well, today, I mean, you hear anything from like 102 all the way to maybe 108? I think the record, I think, is 105. I think that's what I heard John Robinson say. Wow. So, so we could we could actually set a new record for this date too. So. Uh, but anyway, either way, it's going to be hot. And imagine on that uh, being down there on that turf. What do you think that adds to? Like fifteen, twenty degrees? Yeah, at, at like least. Yeah. yeah. Man, well, you could you could really sweat off some weight today. That would be. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I wonder if I could just go down there. Sweat lodge. Yeah, that'd be you should do that. Go down the there. <laughs> that's, that's the kind of exercise I like. You just sit there and it just falls off of you know. So that's pretty while good. doing twelve ounce curls, yeah, no yeah, doubt. Yeah, right. no, yeah, exactly. That's right. All right. Well, coming up today, of course, the NCAA Lubbock Super Regional, Texas Tech and Stanford this afternoon at two at the Law. We're breaking down the Super Regional here on the Rock and Pregame with audio from both Stanford and Texas Tech head coaches. Plus, we'll uh, also have uh, the uh, usual recruiting updates from Jarrett. And uh, let's see, who else? we got a couple of a special guests uh, waiting in the green room right now. Thank you, yes. 
uh, Carson Trail and Connor Whitehill, the voices of Stanford baseball. They'll be joining us live here in a few minutes uh, to break down the Lubbock Super Regional from the Stanford perspective. Always interesting, too, because, you know, you, you always follow your own team so much mm-hmm. and you know the ins and outs of all that. But then you have an opponent like Stanford that, uh, you know, unless you're just somebody who has lots of free time on your hands, you know, it's uh, hard. To, you, know, you might have a casual understanding. Right. Of, you know, they're clearly good. They're a nine national seed. So uh, Teg being an eight national seed, I mean, that's that's a pretty good, you know, eight and nine playing each other there. So Well, we had talked about how they, you know, they slid in after losing those two games in the Big 12 championship. And we thought, man, they might be a 10 or 11 seed. But when they got eight, this is why it's so important now, because they get to host this thing and are not in California. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's uh, that. That is really big, especially when it comes to this. Like best two out of three, and uh, we really want to get that that win today, and so you yes. don't have your right. back immediately uh, up against the wall. But yeah, today we're we're gonna really try to get you ready for uh, for the for the whole uh, series this weekend, and uh, get to know uh, you know most people that listen to this show. Of course, are gonna know all about Texas Tech, but uh, we're gonna do our best to uh, get you informed on Stanford too. So when you watch the game, either in person or uh, watch it today on TV or something, you'll uh, you know, you'll be a lot more educated on both teams and enjoy it more, hopefully. We've got uh, also on the show today Stanford Baseball Director of uh, Operations, David Esker. Some thoughts uh, from him as well uh, about Stanford. So Good show uh, today. Yeah, yeah, got, got a lot coming up, man. It's a great day for baseball, and um, except for the you know, crushing uh, heat. But, you know, <laughs> other, other than that, you know, um, rock and reality check, though. Pete, what, uh, what are you feeling today? Oh, no button? Pete wants you to push his button. No, I get enough of this kind of grief on my morning show. Well, you know, I, and that uh, show too. People like hearing that in excess. In excess, yeah. Good. Okay. Sammy Hager. <laughs> <laughs> he, he was with in excess for a while, wasn't he? But I'm joking. I was actually in excess. I'm old enough that I was an in excess fan. <laughs> uh, hey, my, you know, obviously my reality check is, you know, what a job Tim Tadlock has done. And these guys, uh, you know, they've been up and down here and there. But, man, what they did in the regional, I think, has everybody encouraged that they can win two games and get back to Omaha. And, uh, uh, you know, just earlier this week, it was nine years ago that Tim Tadlock got the job. And I ran an old soundbite how he said, we're, we're, we're going to get to Omaha. And uh, <laughs> we have a plan. And I think, you know, people probably thought, oh, sure. And yeah, they look, what the, guys done. Right. Yeah. look yeah. what the guy's done. So, and then my other reality check is last night at midnight, I was out in New Deal. And the Lions returned home. They won the 2A State Baseball Championship. That's the first team in our viewing area in 13 years wow. to win a title. We've had wow. 12 teams over all that time to go. They couldn't get it done, but the Lions did, and I was there last night and just to see that little community, and they had the fire truck. I mean, it was just awesome, just awesome. So I'm elated for the, the New Deal Lions. Yeah, all right. Congratulations, New Deal. Uh, Jarrett? Yeah, i got to start off with that. Congratulations, New Deal. That's awesome. They, man, they're, they have a good program. They seem they like do. they're good at like every sport. And they every have to play sport, Shiner, yeah. who won the football title, who beat our, our post team, and they beat Shiner fourteen to one. I was Ooh. shocked, and then they beat Garrison seven to two. So uh, they'd been the state six times, and the sixth time they they finally got it done. But man, it is so hard to get there, and then it's even harder to win. But they got it done, and they played the two best games of the year at the right time. It's awesome. It's what you want. So for me, right now, obviously recruiting uh, is crazy with everything opening back up after that long dead period due to COVID and, uh, you know, football visitors, basketball visitors, we have transfer targets, 
uh, to talk about that are really exciting for both sports that we'll get into in the second hour of the show. But uh, obviously the Super Regional takes precedent. Um, big, big series, obviously against another great program in Stanford. And, you know, actually, Stanford, I wanted to get y'all's opinion on this because it's one of those programs and colleges that you think of. You know, I, I've never been to, on the campus, but you hear it's beautiful. Obviously, academics are great. They have good, uh, you know, athletic programs. It's one of those that we're like, if you always imagine, if I were a recruit, who would I have to listen to? Like, I'm going to have to listen to this coach because you have to consider Stanford if they come a calling, right? Right. Yeah. And I was thinking that during, uh, actually during the regionals, uh, when there was, you know, just talking about Stanford and all that, and uh, seeing some highlights come up in one of the games, where I was like, you know what? There are worse things than being an athlete and going to Stanford. Right. You know what I mean? Like there could be a worse thing than playing ball at Stanford. And yeah. I was trying to think like Hawaii. Like I don't know why Hawaii doesn't get like even better recruits. Well, no kidding. Why, yeah, what why kind of an experience Hawaii, yeah. would that be? Go be go play ball in Hawaii in yeah. college. I mean, yeah. come on, that sounds like the way to do. Get paid to go live in Hawaii you know, and play ball. So those two are 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 two I'd have to listen to for a long time. Before uh, Penn State was was a program I had always admired, uh, and I think LSU for me. Mm-hmm. Other than because I'm, I'm you know Texas, all about Texas right. and, the, and a lot of the schools in Texas, not A and M of course. But uh, so I, I, as a recruiter, I would have to listen to all the Texan schools, and I think Stanford's on the short list. Oregon, yeah. I think, just because it's unique program. But what about y'all? Who what what schools? Maybe kind of outside the regular realm. What would you have to consider? Well, you know, if I if I was ever, uh, you know, basketball uh, was, recruit, was, Jeff, was for getting, sure. Yeah, yeah I was, you know, <laughs> basketball. I was uh, a huge, uh, yeah, basketball guy. Uh, now, if I was ever good enough to be considered for one of those sports, so, but yeah, you know, there you always think of just blue blood schools that are just sure. good at everything. But. Places like you know Ohio State. Oof, you know, yeah, I know what. Well, I'm not saying I'm a big fan, <laughs> right, right. but I'm just saying. But those are kind of, you know Notre Dame. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, get Notre Dame. I mean, Notre yeah. Dame. That's that's pretty prestigious. Absolutely. You know? so that, what about like Bama? Was Bama trip your trigger? Because it doesn't really do it for me. But I, some people are like man, just being off. Well, you have Alabama. to live in Alabama. That's right. a deal breaker for me right there. So there's some nice beaches actually. Surprisingly, really? really? Okay. Yeah, yeah, they really do. Yeah. I know. I'm seriously. Through, they do. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I've never been on the beach at Alabama, so I don't know. I'll you take, wouldn't I'll think that. People don't yeah. talk about, it, but they do have a, you know a couple of nice. Beaches. I think when I think of Alabama, I just like, hey, watch this. <laughs> I mean, that's just oh, there's that too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, For so sure. Just get eventually got beaches, but uh, anyway, yeah. Uh, of course, I'm Syracuse. Yeah. yeah. So who who like other than like tech, we're Texas like I'm Texas yeah, Tech. Yeah. yeah. He's oh, big mean, Oklahoma. Who else would you think like people may not associate with you that you would have to listen to if you were a recruit? Well, I mean Maryland. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, Just, I'm yeah. a big Maryland guy. So, and Georgetown. I grew up watching Georgetown. Them, so. All right, yeah. Ahoya, Pete, Ahoya. I see. That's I wouldn't have thought that. Yeah, yeah. but it's outside of football, I know they got that. lacrosse. Other than that, ah, I mean, not football. Yeah. Outside of basketball, basketball I'm not yeah. sure what Georgetown ha- offers. Uh, they're they're law. They, they have a, yeah, right known now, for their law. Right. <laughs> rowing? Are yeah. they they good at rowing? Probably. Crew, yeah, crew, seriously. right? I covered a lot of rowing that, yeah. when I was in okay. Philadelphia, believe it or not. Yeah. Boating. <laughs> anyway, it's just when I thought when I knew Tech was going to be matched up with Stanford, I just thought, you know, I've always liked them. I've always liked their football yeah. program, even their basketball program yeah. like in the 90s growing up and everything. You know, right. and obviously the education and everything yeah. and the campus is supposed to be beautiful. Just like, man, if I were a recruit, I'd have to listen, I think. Yeah, yeah. Well, 
Uh, we look forward to uh, to the game coming up today, Texas Tech and Stanford, and we'll start uh, breaking down uh, everything you need to know for today's super regional matchup. And uh, coming up here in a few minutes, Carson Trail and Connor Whitehill, the voices of Stanford baseball, they're joining us live in the studio here to talk about super regional action today. That's coming up here on the Red Raider Outfitter Rockin' Pregame. Rockin' Research. All right, as we get ready for today's game with Texas Tech and Stanford and the Super Regionals at 2 o'clock, time to do some uh, rock and research, get to know about uh, Stanford Cardinal. we got Carson Trail and Connor Whitehill, the voices of Stanford Baseball, joining us today. And uh, first off, guys, thanks for uh, being here today. We appreciate it. Thank you very much for having us on. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, does it ever get as hot uh, out, the, out your way as it is going to be today? No chance. It, it feels like we're a long way from home. The people have been great, but the weather here in Lubbock, not so much. Yeah, so yeah, it's, it'll uh, be an adjustment. Um, we definitely wish we were playing this series in Stanford, as yeah, you mentioned yeah. in the previous segment. Yeah. It's a little bit. We felt a little bit slighted with the nine seed, and we would really like to be playing in the Sunken Diamond. But we're ready for the challenge. We're ready yeah. to be out here and uh, hopefully overcome some adversity in the form of hot weather. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, just stay hydrated. That's a... Yeah, that, that would be job number one, stay hydrated. Now, let me ask a question here before we get to really into the game here. The Stanford Cardinal, you know, how many people have you ever heard say it's the Stanford Cardinals? Like, you know, it, but it's just the Cardinal, right? It's, is it more about the color? Is that what that is or what? Yes, Cardinal Red. That is okay. right. the, the origin. Okay, I just want to clear that up because, yeah, but I hear people say that a lot. That if they just casually know of Stanford, they'll say the Stanford Cardinals. People and I'm do like, that that's a lot. not it. And then, you know, down. Big Spring, Texas. All the coaches say, "Yeah, we're playing Big Springs." Big Springs. Why that's right. Yes to it. Right. That's yeah. so weird to me. All right. Well, I, I just wanted to clarify that uh, right off the right off the bat there. So Stanford Cardinal. Now, is, do you, do you have a tree mascot though. Is that what that is? is that yeah, right? fear the tree, baby. I mean, it's it's our mascot. And for me, at least, it was a little bit of an adjustment because baseball, the St. Louis Cardinals are such a big thing. Yeah. It's a little bit of an adjustment when you start calling for the Cardinal. But yeah. Um, yeah. It's definitely an interesting logo and, and something to get used to. <laughs> All right, Pete, you're looking at me funny. I'm just curious about no, that. I oh, agree I mean, with it's that. A tree. I, I, I mean, you know, it's... I saw even on Stanford <laughs> tweeted it out. Fear the tree. I'm like, yeah. we don't have many trees here. So, <laughs> all right, well, let's uh, let's get into it. Of course, the first pitch today, two o'clock, and uh, as we're you know getting people listen to the show here uh, week in week out, it's uh, all about Texas Tech typically, but playing Stanford today. Uh, you guys have been uh, following, you know, and calling the games all all season, and uh, know all about it. Uh, just start off, just uh, first of all, telling what is what is uh, you guys' uh, impression of the game today, this series. You know, just uh, just as we get ready to start here. Well, first things first, we're playing in hostile territory, so we've played teams with similar ability and similar profile to Texas Tech. Uh, first of which is that comes to mind, University of Arizona. And we managed to take two of three from them, but it was, as we mentioned uh, offhand, the least convincing series victory of Stanford's season thus far. So I'd expect that we're going we're gonna to attack you guys the same way. Um, got Brandon Beck going for us in game one, Alex Williams in game two, and just kind of putting our offense in positions where we don't need to come from behind as much. We enjoy close games. We like close games. We play better in close games. So we're going to hope to keep all three, if necessary, of these mm-hmm. games close. With Beck on the mound, what can we expect to see from him uh, as he takes on this uh, highly uh, touted Red Raider offense? Well, in terms of stuff, he's got a fastball in the low to mid-90s. Uh, it's got some life to it. He's more of a control guy, really. Uh, decent slider, decent changeup. Uh, you'll see a curveball every now and then. 
when he's commanding the corners and not leaving pitches up in the zone, he will be very good. At Sunken, we've seen him routinely give us seven or eight shutout innings. Uh, obviously, we're not ex- we're not expecting that at Texas Tech with the hot weather, and let alone not even mentioning Texas Tech's offense. So if he if he's coming out with that fastball and he's he's not going to blow it by you, but if he's coming out spotting those breaking pitches, you can expect a quality start and you'll expect a, a competitive game from the Cardinal. Well, Brendan Beck, he was the Pac-12 Pitcher of the Year, by the way. So, you mentioned the weather. I mean, how will that play a factor for the for the Cardinal players? I mean, we're talking about 102 to 107, and then on the field, probably you know 125 to 135. And yeah, this is something that they haven't experienced yet. I think the combination of the heat and the fans could definitely be a huge impact here. But I think the guys should be ready to go. I think that Cody Huff, our catcher. Obviously, one of the major concerns with the turf, the heat, um, the backstop is going to have one of the roughest times out there. But for us, he's been a workhorse. He's been behind the plate basically every single game this season. Um, so I don't expect him to struggle. And hopefully you just stay hydrated. And um, I think that the power could, or rather the heat, can help to uh, amplify a lot of our power. One through nine, you're going to see a lot of guys capable of driving it out of the yard. And so... Um, the Texas Tech pitchers will have to be on their feet because at any point in time, the ball could go over the yard. So I was going to say, so if you're just uh, in general speaking here, is Stanford uh, you know, known for being a, a great offensive team? Or, I mean, is that the thing? Or is it mainly strong pitching? Or is it defense? Or is it all that? What, what just as far as the identity of the team? Well, Brendan Beck has really established himself as more or less the face of this team. Up and down the lineup, you'll see a very balanced plate approach, a lot of plate discipline, especially among the seniors. Uh, Tim Tawa, Christian Robinson, they've started to heat up a little bit, plus Cody Huff. So it's really about can Sanford make adjustments at bat to a bat? I forgot to mention Nick Bruiser. He's another name. If they can make adjustments at bat to a bat and outing by outing, especially against guys like Sublet, mm-hmm. then then you'll you'll start seeing these these closer finishes and these nail biters toward the end. Uh, talk about the the regional. You guys uh, lost that second game. Uh, the Anteaters got, I think, six runs in the eighth inning. But then you go to the game three. It's winner take all. You already know the the winner is going to come to Lubbock. And man, Stanford just came out on fire in that first inning. Was it seven or eight runs? I'm watching. I'm like, oh my goodness. I mean, they were on fire. And and yeah, that was it was really huge to get that opening lead. And I think that um, what we've been a little bit shocked about is national press seemed to make it out as oh, Stanford just was the better team, they ran away with it. Um, We didn't feel like that was the case. Irvine is a great ball club, and they really pushed us to the end. And despite that seven-inning first inning in Game 3, we really felt like we were fighting off an incoming onslaught. And Irvine hitters, they were really, really difficult to strike out. That's something that this pitching staff, um, top to bottom, struggles with, punching guys out. Um, And they almost, they were one swing of the bat away from tying it. Two runners on, an 11-8 game. So there was a shot to warning track in center field that if it left the yard, we would have had a tie game. So it definitely could be Irvine in this spot. We're happy it's us, but um, something that we're, we're concerned about, the ability of this team to have pitching depth throughout a three-game set. And uh, is it all hands on deck? Because Stanford used eight pitchers in that last game. Well, they used eight pitchers, but really their starting rotation goes two deep, and their bullpen reliably goes three deep. So you'll see Beck and Williams out of the starting rotation. And then the bullpen, you'll see Jacob Polish, of course, Zach Gretsch, uh, stopper of the year finalist as of right now, and Joey Dixon, who's fully capable of turning in multiple innings of relief. Uh, none of those guys will really strike you out. 
Zach Gretsch, uh, something that we'll see come into play here is whether or not he can keep the ball in the yard because he succeeded at that all season. He's got that bully ball sinker. Same can be said for the freshman Joey Dixon. He's really not a guy that will blow up by you, but he's got that fastball with a lot of sinking action to it, plus a slider and a changeup. So it's a matter of can, can, can the bullpen do their jobs? Can they pitch competitively to guys, especially like Jace Young yeah. and guys up and down the, the Texas Tech lineup? We'll have to see. All right, we're talking with Carson Trail and Connor Whitehill, voices of Stanford baseball in town for the uh, Super Regional. And uh, the only common opponent, I mean, Tech just beat UCLA. You guys uh, beat UCLA two out of three earlier this year. Did you get to see any of the game uh, Red Raiders against UCLA, and what were your impressions based off of that same opponent? Not a lot because we were in the middle of broadcasting Stanford's own games, so we didn't get to see too much of that. But looking up and down uh, your, your roster, your statistics, um, our impression is you guys have guys up and down the line that can do damage, particularly Jace Young. Uh, we've, we've, we've dealt with guys. Um, I'm, I'm not going to say of his ability, but like University of Arizona's offense, uh, robust as well. Um, and then the back end of the bullpen, I'm told, is uh, you guys have been able to shorten games. Ryan Sublet, Brandon Birdsell, unfortunately, out for the season. But really, that's, that's been a, uh, Micah Dallas, that's another one. Yeah. Uh, all, these, all these games at the back end of the bullpen, they can really just change the outcome of a game or just solidify late game leads. Hey, one thing I looked at, I saw Stanford's great record, but then when I looked on the road, 17-10, and 10, do you see this team playing different on the road, especially when this isn't a neutral site game, it's a road game? Yeah, and I think that that's something to keep in mind. Um, I think that part of it might be tougher competition on the road, um, especially a lot of our out-of-conference games were played here, but definitely different environment. The Sunken Diamond's a great place to watch baseball game and to be a player, and I think that there's a certain level of comfortability once you get into your, your home space, and especially when it's going to be as dramatic a change here with a raucous Texas Tech crowd and a complete weather change. That's something to keep in mind as could be throwing off a lot of these approaches at the plate and especially for pitchers who have to adjust to much different park conditions. And well there's no doubt. I mean there's little room for error in a three game series. Game one, I mean, is so huge. You do not want to go down one game and then have to win two in a row, especially a road team like Stanford. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh I would expect that if the the series is going to be determined by the first game more or less whether or not it's competitive. So if Brendan Beck can go out and turn into a quality start and Sanford manages to hold a lead that they get off of, who's your game one guy? Is it, it is Montgomery. It's, uh, remind me of the name again? Hampton. Hampton. Hampton, yeah. Yeah, if they can get a, a good lead off of Hampton and Beck can hold it, then we'll see, you know, then there's, both of these teams are competitive. It's going to be very evenly matched. And then Williams coming out tomorrow, Alex Williams, um, he'll, he'll give us a quality start. He's been doing that uh, especially well as of late. But then if you guys manage to clip back or shorten his outing to six or six innings, three earned, and really start eating into that bullpen, that's when Texas Tech can really start just winning that war of attrition and ultimately come away with that three-game series win. That's what's so great about the, these series when you get this time of year, too, man. It's like every single thing is so critical, you know, and, I mean, everything's magnified. And, yeah, if you can get into a team's bullpen early and, I mean, what the effect that that has on an entire series, man, that's what just – Makes them so tense to watch, you know. Uh, what's your uh, what's the feel of Lubbock getting out there? I mean, have you had a chance to eat any good food here or anything? 
Yeah, we were excited. We're we're California kids, so In and Out's our go to for burgers, and we got our first Whataburger. Yeah. And you know, but you're gonna get sparkling reviews for both of us. We, uh-huh. we both really enjoyed it, and um, and yeah, like I said, the 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 people here have been great. We have had great experiences with um, our Uber driver on the way down. Um, and a couple conversations in the lobby of the hotel room. There's a lot of excitement for this series, and so um, hopefully you guys aren't too hard on us in the crowd, but I think that it's going to be a a pretty hostile atmosphere regardless. I mean, you know, you might hear some rude things, but then probably someone will end the sentence with, Bless your heart, and then that was okay. So you know, <laughs> that is you get true. A lot of that. Yeah, that's true. But uh, by the way, so you you ate a water burger. What, what did you have? Uh, did you remember just get the water burger, or did you? That was the patty melt for me. Okay, oh, those yeah. are awesome right there. What'd you get? Bacon avo cheeseburger for me. Okay, all right, that's a good choice. Um, okay, you're going to be in town for the weekend, so next time get the green chili double. That's my personal favorite. And did you have the spicy ketchup? Oh uh, yes, I did. Okay. I'm a fan. Yeah, I, the I, green chili double. The spicy ketchup with the fries. Trust me. You can thank me later. All right. I thought the former Texas Tech basketball coach was just in this room. I know. I sounded like the Solid, solid choice, but I stopped myself. Hey, we yeah, respect all teams. Great oh. respect for them. But uh, anyway. All right. So uh, game time, 2 o'clock today, first pitch. And you guys said, so it's, it's back on the mound for you guys today. All right. So you've talked about him quite a bit. I and, mean, of course, he's the Pac-12 pitcher of the year. Um, if you're sitting there watching the game today, other than him, you know what's the the one player, uh, non pitcher, the the one guy that uh, Tech fans really need to watch. That you, I mean, is the guy that makes it all happen for you guys. You're maybe the most important guy, or the guy that we need to keep our eyes on. Well, there are the guys that have been hot, and then there are the bellwether guys for how the offense is going to do. I would say that the bellwether guys will be uh, rather Cody Huff uh, if he can if he can do what he's been doing. He's been Something like 374. He's a since, catcher, right? Yeah, he's a catcher. Yeah. If he hit 374 since the series at Arizona, he's been on the up and up ever since then. But also Brock Jones. If they can keep Jones contained, then that's uh, that puts Texas Tech at a, a particularly big advantage. Uh, Christian Robinson also tends to hit the way the offense hitting Tim Tawa. Mm-hmm. Like, they're just... Nobody really stands out as much, especially since Jones has cooled down. Mm-hmm. There, was a, there was the beginning where Brock Jones had just was on a torrid pace. He couldn't get anything by him. He was hitting balls out of the yard. If he heats up, then Texas Tech is going to have some problems. But he, he's been, you know, more or less cool as of late. Yeah. So it's more a matter of can they shut the offense down tip to tail versus right. can they keep one or two guys contained. Yeah. Okay. So you got pretty balanced. Uh, it's a balanced lineup then for Stanford. All right. Well, uh, all time, you know, Texas Tech and uh, Stanford haven't really uh, haven't played a ton uh all time, all time, it's two and two, and they played in 2020 in the uh, Round Rock Classic. Tech was number one, Stanford was number 15. Mm-hmm. Tech won seven two back then, but I know your coach said, "Man, that's you know so long ago," and both teams are, are way different from then. So, yeah, it's I guess yeah that kind of stuff. It's it's fun to talk about things like that, but the, what bearing does that have on, <laughs> yeah, on not, anything? None. Not, not much, probably. So, yeah. Hey, where can uh, you know if case we have any Cardinal fans in town, and I know of one. Stanford grad who lives in Lubbock, uh, Tyler Neal, 98 volleyball team. He's the Trinity Christian girls volleyball coach here. They won so many state titles here, but I know he's a big Stanford Cardinal fan. How could people listen to you guys today? So you'll be able to hear us. Um, I believe we're out of airwaves range, but it'll be online or anything. Yeah, it'll be online. KZSU.Stanford.edu. I believe Sunday's game will start on KZSU 2. 
which is also available online at that same link. Uh, there will be a church service on during that time, at Pacific time. All right. So, All right. Nice. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. 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 People in Lubbock will appreciate that, certainly. Yeah. All right. Well, um, final, any final thoughts? Anything uh, we didn't get to? Anything else you want to... I, I think that what I would add is, although game one really does feel like a must-win for Stanford, considering how strong Brennan Beck has been and how maybe the quality of pitching tapers off, this Stanford team thrives with adversity. Um, they've had multiple series that were shut off due to COVID, really key series. And against Arizona State, against the big team, I think that this was the turning point for the season. They got punched in the mouth. They lost 20-2 to in Game 2, and it really was demoralizing. It felt like it was a true test for Stanford. Oh, can we really compete with the big dogs? The next day, Alex Williams, who will be the Game 2 starter, comes out and shoves seven innings of one-run baseball and leads the Cardinal to an 8-2 to two victory. So this is a Cardinal team that thrives in adversity. And so don't count this Cardinal team out. Maybe they're a little bit outmatched as far as depth goes, but there's a lot of fight still in this team. Well, clearly a good team, or they, you know, they wouldn't be where they're at today. So I'm look, I think this is going to be a, a great series. Looking forward to it. The only thing I think we can all agree on that we're not looking forward to is the extreme heat. But uh, even though we might be a little bit more used to it, don't kid yourself. We're, we're not big fans of it, right? Absolutely. My AC went out yesterday, and I stood outside while the guy was working on it. And after about 10 seconds, I'm like, hey, I'm going to go inside. And the guy's like, I was just in an attic for two hours. He basically called me a wuss. So, so did you stay out there? And no, endure? I went inside. I'm not going to wilt. So he was right. You are a wuss. Well, we're oh, okay. well, that's fire. Yeah, you know, that's all right. All right, well, listen, we appreciate Carson Trail and Connor Whitehill, Absolutely. voices of Stanford baseball uh, in town this week and uh, dropping by the Rockin' pregame. And uh, thanks for uh, for the conversation and, and definitely know more about Stanford than I did a few minutes ago. So I appreciate it and good luck on your uh, on your call today. Thank you very much. We appreciate it. And remember, remember that uh, that green chili double. <laughs> yeah. All right, thanks again to Carson Trail and Connor Whitehill, Stanford baseball voices for being here and uh, fill us, uh, filling us uh, in on Everything Stanford Cardinal. I was. Uh, it was nice to hear. You know, confirm that it is Cardinal, not yeah. Cardinals. You know, yeah. it's very important. That mascot is the worst mascot in the history of mascots. The tree. Yeah, that yeah. ugly. That's, yeah. Tree looking. Did, thing. did you ever? That was always uh, rhyme me with a story here. But no, I when I was a kid, I was never like. Were you in plays and stuff at school where you got to act? And, sure. Were yeah. you, did did you play like speaking parts? Yeah. And always had? Oh yeah. Don't tell me you were the tree. Listen, li- no, I've got one worse than the tree. Okay, because you were when you were a kid, you played a tree. You know, you'd stand behind a cardboard cutout of a tree with a pole cut for your face and just stand there, and your parents had to be proud. Okay, that that's that's pretty low in the acting world. Okay, yeah, right. I actually one time played the part of a tent. A tent? How I so? kid you not. How does it that was, work? It was a church play and. uh and I guess I was just so non-talented that they had to find something for me. I don't know how to ask this with a straight face, but did someone go inside you? <laughs> you read this. How did you That's pitch? A- <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of jokes. I know. Like, I mean, no, but no. Here's what happened. I had to hold two broomsticks. I put. I, I stood up, yeah. put my arms out in front of me, and held two broomsticks. You know, down on the ground, just kind of held them up, and then they put a they put a sheet over my arms and made a tent. 
So I, I, I wasn't even really the tenth. I was tenth poles basically. That was the. Part. How long did you have to hold your arms out like <laughs> it that? Like, it was like ten minutes or something. But they what? were rest, they were resting on the. Oh, they were resting. resting. On, okay, on I was the, like, the geez. So they tortured you. Uh, yeah, it's public torture. And, and I just always think back. You know, at the time it's for all those fires he's setting in town. Right. Yeah. At the time, I didn't really think about how stupid it was. But yeah. years later, even now, you know, I look back on that and I think, man, my parents, bless their heart for being there and supporting me in that. How embarrassing. They had to have been so embarrassed. Hey, is that your boy, the, the tent? Is that is that your boy? Well, he's talented, isn't he? You, <laughs> you know? think they were embarrassed, but they were embarrassed. Well, I don't know. You know what? That You know what that mascot reminds me of? Stanford's tree right. or whatever. Right. Uh, this is should be in y'all's wheelhouse. Remember Spaceballs? Yeah. Pizza the Hut? No, okay. It's what he looks like. It's yeah. Pizza <laughs> the Hut. It's the Rockin' Interview. All right. Back to baseball here. Enough thespian stories. All right. Um, so uh, some thoughts from Stanford Baseball Director of uh, Operations, David Esker. Uh, he uh, spoke to uh, spoke to you guys the other day about just uh, thoughts on the game and so forth. Yeah, and obviously, uh, you know, the big factor that's going to be talked about is the heat today. So uh, he was asked, uh, you know, is this some of the heat you were expecting? And did you get this type of heat in the Pac-12 at all? Uh, it's warm, but, you know, we play it either at Tucson or, or Phoenix, so we get some desert weather there. And every now and then we get this we get this heat in the Bay Area. It can it can be warm. We played a lot of day games this year. As a matter of fact, without their, without fans in attendance, we didn't really see any need to play at six or seven o'clock at night. So we we played a lot of two o'clock games right in the middle of the day. So maybe that was a little uh, preparation for this. Yeah, don't kid yourself. <laughs> uh, then. <laughs> Don Williams from the AJ asked, is there pressure on Stanford to return to Omaha since they haven't been there since 2008? Yeah, you know, well, it, it, obviously that's one of my goals and, and uh, you know, with, with my history with the program, you know, the fact that we went to Omaha twice during my years and, you know, a regional final every year, um, that, that's, that's just something that's a goal of ours. And, and, and you're right, Stanford has been absent a, a, a little bit, but I think college baseball has just gotten so much better uh, during the 2000s and, and the parody is it's just it's just way different uh, in the past in the early years it was one regional in Omaha and now there's there's super regionals and you know like I said the conferences the power five conferences are are are, are putting a lot of money into baseball so I think the parody is spread out a lot more I think the regional playoffs are probably even more you know where they eliminate like teams from the same from the same region so it is a goal of ours um, you know, I've been fortunate enough to, to go to Omaha as a player twice and as an assistant coach at Stanford and lucky enough to take a team when I was the head coach at Cal. And so that is a, that is a goal to come back to my alma mater and take them to Omaha and, and hopefully deliver the same experience I had as a player, which was to win a national championship. Uh, you know, some teams have a home run leader like Jace Young for the Red Raiders, but Stanford spreads out the homers. What's great about that? Yeah, you know, that's a little bit of a signature of our team, you know, in, in the past couple of years. We've we've had some power and 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 sometimes we rely a little bit too much on the home run, but it's a part of our game. You know, we we do try we do try to square the baseball and maybe get airborne and 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 use that to our advantage. Maybe with COVID we're probably not as learned or as good at the short game as we would be if we had a whole fall to practice those things. Uh, uh, so we, we don't we don't bunt a whole lot and uh, we 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 hit and run some, but we look to square the baseball up and, and generate you know runs with one or two hits. And uh, we got to talk to Coach here after Stanford practiced at Dan Law Field yesterday. So uh, what were the guys' impressions on the way the ball travels at the Law? 
Yeah, I think that actually the wind was moving in the opposite direction today. Kind of strangely enough, I think it was blowing across and not necessarily out. But we have heard that the wind can blow out, and I have been here before. And right, it can, it can blow out to both gaps. And, um, and 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 well aware of how Texas Tech plays, they've always been a, a power and a physical team themselves. And so I know that that's part of their game, and the and the park plays to that for them. So I'm interested to see with the heat and maybe with a little wind, you know, maybe we can hit a couple cheap ones too. <laughs> Uh, of course, uh, today's starting pitcher for Stanford, Brendan Beck, uh, and he talked about him becoming the ace for the team. Well, you know, he came in as a midweek starter, throwing about 86, 87 miles an hour, maybe touch 88, but but just really relied on pitchability and and game plan and 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 just the ability to pitch to a scouting report. He still has that, and everything has just gotten a tick better every year. You know, probably 90 miles an hour, 88 to 90 as a sophomore, you know, 89 to 91, 92 as a junior, and then maybe just a, a tick better than that now. But what hasn't gone away is his pitchability, and I think his off-speed stuff has gotten better every year. I think his ability to use a, a slider and a curveball, and then against some left-handed hitters to have a change-up in, in his arsenal. So it's four pitches for strikes. It's it's any pitch, any time. Uh, it is a it is poise on the mound and a calm demeanor, but with a fierce a fierce competitor, and you know a little edge to his game as well. So I think you put that all together when you got a highly competitive individual with great skill who's physically just gotten better every year and committed himself to bettering himself every year. I think that's what allowed him to to rise to the top, not only of our team but to the conference. Right as the conference pitcher of the year. Thoughts from Stanford coach David Esker today on the Rock and pregame. Then we asked him uh, what scares him about the Red Raiders. Their ability to score runs, right? And and I think they've got some talent on the hill. They've got some arm strength. Sublet is a is a is a you know he's a real closer finisher type guy that they could put in for multiple innings. I've played Coach Tadlock's uh, teams in the past, and I really enjoy matching up against them. I love the edge that they play with. Um, I love the physicality that they play. I think they got the ability to skill as well. So it's not just gorilla ball. They, they, uh, I've, I've had them where they've safety squeezed and they've done some things to, to score and manipulate runs. They, they're, they're really athletic. Uh, I'm, we came here uh, back here a few years ago and just extremely athletic all over the field. Um, so the, Hey, they've been to Omaha for a reason. And, uh, you know, I think that's that's one of the things that we're going to have to do that, you know, our, our path to Omaha is going to go through a team that's been there numerous times in the past. And the, these teams played last year. You know, last year's kind of erased because we didn't get to finish it. Tech was 16-3 and last year. They lost their last two games to Mississippi State, but they were the number one team in the nation at the start of the year, and they beat Stanford 7-2 in the Round Rock Classic. So Coach was asked about facing the Red Raiders last year. And can they use anything from last year this year? Yeah, you know, I, I, as much as our team has changed in a year, because we were, you know, not capable of, of beating almost anybody last year. Uh, we were so painfully young and inexperienced. I and mean, we struggled and we would have gotten better as the season gone on had it not gone canceled. But our, our struggles were early and, um, you know, they, they beat us handily. I think the score might have been 6-7-2, but I, think the, I don't think that was indicative of the, of, of the game itself. Um, so, you know what? 365 days has done a lot to improve their team, just like it has ours. So we're familiar with some of the players, um, you know, and, and, you know, just case in point, Jace Young, I mean, him, him a year ago versus this year, you know, he's, he's even better than ever. And, um, you know, so everyone's, everyone's gotten a little bit better. Yeah, no doubt about that. And then, uh, you know, outside of the heat, uh, asked him about how do you prepare 
for the rowdy Texas Tech atmosphere? Yeah, we're not prepared for it. <laughs> I don't think we could we could uh, uh, assimilate the a Texas Tech crowd, um, but it's going to be part of the excitement. You know, hopefully it'll raise our game, our, our players' level of play as well. Um, you know, I, I, I jokingly played a gringo like me at practice yesterday because I remember <laughs> they play that uh, with every first pitching change just to get them used to it. Um, but you know, hey, it's. It's part of the excitement of, of regional baseball, right? And and they they earn the right to play at home, and we've got to be able to beat them at their home and to earn our way. Um, we've got some young kids who are just gonna you know go through it the first time, but um, that's that's just part of growing up uh, as a as a as a baseball player. And I think it'll do it'll do wonders for um, maturing our players, and and hopefully we get we've got a hero in our dugout that rises to the occasion. I love that they actually took the time. To play gringo like me, I mean that's just that's that's funny. That you, you, funny. you hear about you know teams, especially in football and stuff. You know the when they play over the speakers, the crowd noise, so you yeah. get used to you know calling out signals and all that. But that's that's actually kind of humorous. That's <laughs> good. And then finally, uh, he talked about the Stanford closer. Well, he's he's a senior, right? Who who came back with the purpose of of help getting us back here. So he's a, he's a selfless player. That he's a submarine submarine thrower you know fastball slider change and you know he can make it tough on some some players to get a good swing on him um but he's just been a, a godsend for us i think he's got you know between five wins and 13 saves so he's been involved in 18 of our decisions so he's been real important to us and a couple of his losses that he has i mean we didn't do anything to help him at all and we kind of we kind of uh, left him alone out there naked on the mound and, and wish we could have helped him more because I think a, a few of those nicks on his record aren't his fault at all. So he's been he's been great for us. He even started a game, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago versus Oregon State. We started him uh, just to get the game started and going and, and, and give us get our feet on the ground, and he did a great job there as well. All right, there you go. Stanford coach David Esker with his thoughts uh, about this weekend's super regional matchup with Texas Tech. Man, it's going to be exciting. Best of three, all games, 2 o'clock. Hopefully you only need two, and Tech can put it away. We'll see, starting today at 2. All right, uh, still to come on the Rockin' pregame today, Jarrett is working on the latest uh, recruiting info, and uh, we'll get to that coming up. And uh, I mean, we got uh, football stuff. We got basketball stuff. Yes, indeed. Transfers. I mean, good stuff. Yeah. I mean, some. I if you're into recruiting, you're into Texas Tech football or basketball. You should pay attention. This All is right. huge. Yeah, we got that coming up here on the Rock and Pregame. But next, uh, we're going to get the uh, thoughts from Texas Tech baseball coach Tim Tadlock when he uh, spoke nice. to us yesterday. Red Raider baseball at home. All right, thank goodness at home for the uh, super regionals, man. That's. Uh, that that's just that that is a nice edge that you get. It doesn't guarantee anything, but but uh, it is nice to have these games and the the rowdy tech crowd is uh, you know the coach David Esker yeah. was talking about them not being able to prepare for that really. Uh, so hopefully uh, Red Raider fans come out and they're loud and crazy and rowdy as usual. So when we're used to these big games, you know, I just saw in my. That Facebook where it gives you on this day, five years ago today, Eric Gutierrez hit a two-run single on the bottom of the 13th. Texas Tech beat East Carolina 3-1. to one. That was in Game 2. They had lost Game 1, so that set up a winner-take-all Game 3. And then, three years ago today, the Red Raiders beat Duke 6-2 to two mm. in Game 3 to advance on to the College World Series for the third time in school history. That's a that's my favorite part of Facebook. I'm I'm not even personally on Facebook, but of course my wife is everything. And you got to post. Yeah, you you're awesome on Facebook, 
yeah. Pete. I mean, like you're like right. seriously, like you're a big deal on Facebook. Uh, but I love those. Uh, so here are the two best things about Facebook, Pete. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, five years ago, through on this day, like yes, I think that's yeah, great. Especially yeah. you know, if you, like I'll see like you know your, your kid, like from uh, when it was one, you know, like a birthday party or or vacation or or Texas Tech going to Omaha, you know, like that kind of stuff, that kind of thing. And something else you'll probably uh, you'll see on Pete's Facebook on Sunday. Uh-oh. It's it's Pete's special day on Sunday. It's his birthday. It is. My oh, birthday. there you go. Yeah. So. It is. Hey, he'll never tell us how old he is. You know what's funny? Happy birthday to you this morning on my, my other well, show. Well, I appreciate yeah. it. Hey, listen, here's something else I have. Seven years ago today, shout out to Sean Dillon. You unknowingly blessed us. We were in our car driving, and I was just telling my son Henley, I could call Sean and get him to play your favorite song, Sunday Bloody Sunday by U2. Before I song. could finish my sentence, I turned it to 101.1, and the song was already on. Awesome moment for us. Thank you, Sean. Boy. How about that? Yeah, I, I'm going to need to talk to Sean about breaking the playlist. Uh, <laughs> no, he didn't. That's incredible. Is this a Dear Facebook segment? No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, no kidding. So we, we got to talk to Tim Tadlock. Yes. And, uh, man, you know, got the, the lifetime rolling deal, and he's rolling with this team. And uh, we asked him about how the team has evolved, especially after going undefeated in the regional. Yeah, it's uh, individually, obviously, you had some guys. I mean, you, you hope that guys are starting to communicate better on the field and obviously, um, you know, trust their bodies to, to the best of their abilities, trust their swing and their deliveries and everything that goes into playing a baseball game. And um, as a team, obviously, um, you know, I think we saw last week was really the first time we were in a position to, um, use some guys off the bench in certain situations. And, uh, you know, we were, we were able to go create some margin for error there at the back end of the game. And then the guys at the back end of the game, obviously, um, you know, threw the ball, threw the ball good. Guys play good defense. So probably a long answer, but individually, it's, that's always happening. And uh, it's about, you know, about guys going out and trusting what they do. Nice long answer. And then uh, how much benefit, uh, is there a benefit to having seen Stanford just last year? There might be some familiarity um, with some names. And guys obviously remember things that happened in the game. Um, You know, especially big moments as far as that goes. Um, As far as how much it helps going into this, I don't know that it helps any. I guess, I mean, that's, uh, it could be on both sides of it. I mean, maybe it helps them. Maybe it helps us. Um, but, again, it's each day's a new day in this game. you got to go out and play. And then uh, just uh, the plan to being patient when facing Beck today, who has great off-speed exit pitches. Uh, we're not very patient. We're a pretty aggressive team. And so that's probably not in the equation. Um, we're going to go up try to move on the right pitch and um, base our success on that. And what, uh, what impresses him about this Stanford Cardinal lineup? Um, they're older. Um, they got really good baseball players. Um, you, know, you look at it, they do a good job with their at-bats, um, do a good job playing the game. A um, you know, good college baseball team, usually when you get to this point, um, you're facing a good lineup, and you're going to face good pitching, and uh, they're no different than that. And uh, you know, obviously, uh, 
yeah, they've got some guys with some strength in there. And you start talking about uh, the Tawa kid. It seems like he's been there forever. Um, you know, you go back to David's question about last year. You know, Jones was, I guess, a true freshman last year. And swung the bat really good against us. And, uh, you know, it, it is. It is a it's a balanced lineup right and left. And um, if you watch the game Monday night, they had a kid that dragged bunted with two outs, kind of like Army did, um, just to get on base. I mean, that was impressive. Um, they're going to be fundamentally sound. Coach Esker does a good job. And how difficult was it for Tim Tadlock to put this team in a position to be successful this year? Um, I don't think it's been too difficult. I think our guys make our job easy. And uh, they do a good job of coming out and playing the game each day and preparing and try to develop and uh, you know try to get a little bit better each day. And that job probably gets harder as guys start creating expectations for themselves and start getting in their own way. And But we got a bunch of guys that really like playing and, uh, pr- and keep it simple for the most part. And so... Um, our guys to get a lot of credit. Our team gets a lot of credit. Our staff gets a lot of credit. But as far as uh, our our players make our job easy, I mean, we get to sit in there and, I mean, we could brew up some Folgers most days and, you know, drink, sip on it and watch them play. Uh, and obviously, you know, Tech swept through it, didn't have to play on Monday. Stanford had to play a, a game three against Cal Irvine, an elimination game. Uh, used eight pitchers. Is there any advantage that Stanford had to play that extra game while Tech got the rest? I wish. I wish life was that simple just to say, you know, they got to play a day later. It, that could work both ways. I mean, you literally look at their week. They probably, you know, I would say had a short practice Tuesday, travel Wednesday, short practice today, play tomorrow, where we had Monday off. Practice Tuesday, practice Wednesday, practice today. Um, everybody's going through um, obstacles and challenges each day when you're dealing with 35 guys. And um, and so we don't have any idea where their roster is and what they're, you know, what's going on there. But uh, I can assure you it's, it's like having 35, you know, um, you know, sons, I guess what you're saying, you know, you're trying to, you know, we're trying to be present every day and try to get a little bit better each day. And then Tadlock more on the challenge of facing Stanford starting pitcher today, Beck. I don't know. I guess we'll decide that between now and tomorrow. And uh, the one thing you, you have to be able to do to do that is you got to be comfortable hitting deep in the count and, uh, and those types of things, I think those things arrive as the game presents itself to you. And um, and so we'll deal with that as we go. Um, what impressed me the most, I mean, I got on their website and messed up and watched highlights of the game. I think he threw a one-to-nothing shutout. And, um, boy, the breaking balls on the website or, you know, on just the little video, um, man, they look pretty good. And then you go back and you watch it on uh, this other format that we can watch a number of pitches on, and you're going, okay, not every one is Uncle Charlie coming in there. I mean, there are some hangers. There are some ones that are not in the zone. And um, Go in there and look at the one-to-nothing game. 
And you'd think, I mean, Babe Ruth couldn't hit the guy there. So, uh, I mean, but, it, you know, it, a, a hitter can't hit unless a guy stands on the mound to pitch. So uh, he's going to stand on the mound to pitch, and we're going to step in the box to hit. So that's where we're going to look at. Tim Tadlock talking about the Super Regional. The Red Raiders and Stanford play two hours from now, 2 p.m. out at Dan Law Field. Uh, Tadlock talked about Drew Baker's slump. Oh, I mean, he affects the game regardless whether he gets hits or not. I mean, he's definitely, you know, having some good at-bats in there and seeing some pitches. And, um, you know, obviously the pressure he puts on a pitcher to throw the ball over the plate's always always there because if he gets on, he can apply some pressure. Um, what allows him to do it, I mean, he, he knows the strike zone. Um, he's got bat paths. Um, he's aggressive. He likes to hit. Um, he does what a lot of good hitters do. I mean, he's aggressive and, um, you know, but he's, uh, I would say, you know, what you're talking about probably is game three last weekend, I guess. I mean, he did lead off a game with a double and, um, and it was a big, you know, as far as I think that was a North Carolina game. And he did impact those three games last weekend. I think he always impacts the game. And, um, I mean, it, to me, it's, um, it's a game you're going to be successful three out of ten times. If you are if you do that, you're going to the Hall of Fame. Will Tadlock change the rotation depending upon if the Red Raiders win game one today in this three-game set? Mm, good question. I mean, it's, um, I think you do everything you can to um, you know, win game one and put yourself in a good position for game two. We've obviously uh, got some guys that can start and some guys that can throw out of the bullpen. Um, I'll go ahead and answer the question. Hampton's throwing tomorrow. And so you kind of know who's in the bullpen as far as that goes. And um, Montverde's starting game two. So there you go. There you go. And then uh, just uh, his take on the team trying to beat the Heat. Man, you made me laugh there. It made me bring back some wheat harvest days. I guess if we had time for them to go harvest wheat for 10 days and work about 18 hours a day and, and then play, you know, maybe a week after, we could get them used to the heat. But other than that scenario, um, I don't know that you're going to be used to it. You're just going to have to do the best job you can managing it because it got here so fast. I mean, in this whole region, what was it, 80 degrees last weekend? And all of a sudden, the turf's in the 140s, 150s. Feels a little bit like an oven. Um, if you've ever jumped in the back of a wheat truck with one of those probes, it feels the same way sometimes in the middle of summer. And so that'd be my scenario, or maybe some square bales somewhere, a couple hundred, you know, stack them up. Let them get used to it. <laughs> they better get used to it. Finally, uh, Nate Rombach, his evolution from when he first got to Tech to now. Well, you'd have to ask him as far as the battle for him. I know it's been a very challenging spring for him. All these guys are guys that have always sit in the middle of an order and been the best player on the team they've wherever they've come from. Um, you know, Nate ironically started his college career off, I think, hitting four home runs in one weekend. And you thought it was going to be easy for him. And, you know, probably set him up to, you know, all of a sudden he's hit four home runs in one weekend. He's on a pretty decent baseball team. 
and he's hitting in the middle of the order, and he probably got pitched different than he's ever been pitched in his life, and kind of just gone back to, I would say the most simple thing is moving on the right pitch, and uh, you could see it last year after the first weekend that he got pitched tougher, and um, he's doing a good job of moving on the right pitch now, and uh, hitting it every now and then. Well, there you go. So, Tim Tadlock and the Red Raiders, 2 o'clock today, game one, best of three with Stanford, winner of the series, goes to Omaha. I just want to say, I don't think it could be mentioned enough how much the heat today is going to play a role for both teams. Yeah. I don't think it's just going to be for Stanford. As Coach Tadlock said, we haven't been used to this. It's been really unusually cool. We've had a lot of rain. You know, even being Texans and out here and everything, we're not used to, to this how how hot it's going to be today, and I don't. I think it's going to be cooler tomorrow than the next day. So that's going to play a huge role in the game. Yeah, and and him mentioning that it's going to be something like 140 to 150 on that. Wow, turf. And Boy, that just that yeah. that takes it out of you too, man. You talk about <laughs> fry some bacon, man. Boy, you know, go cook on that field. I'm going to take a pack down there and just put it on the field. Pete's going to be tackled on the field. You know, he's going to run out there and throw some bacon on the face and be like, "What is he doing?" <laughs> Somebody's going to tackle him. Segment TV comedy. Apparently, uh, we've got a fan on the field. He has bacon. <laughs> Everybody's going to know, man. He's wearing a KCBD shirt. New Channel 11. I'll change my shirt. <laughs> He's going to wear a mustache and change his shirt. A local television personality was arrested. Hey, local star. That's right. Huge and, and huge on Facebook, too, right? All right. Uh, when we come back huge. here, uh, it is a former sports reporter for the Daily Toreador and co-host of the No Mental Madness podcast, and an occasional writer for Mavs Moneyball, Ryan Mainville, joins us uh, to break down the Red Raiders roster and maybe even, Jared, a little bit of Mavs talk. We'll see. Which is, yeah, his, I really, you know, of course he was great with tech, but I really enjoy his contributions on Mavs Moneyball. Good stuff, so check it out. A deeper look. All right, today we welcome... Uh, former sports reporter for the Daily Toreador and co-host of the No Middle Madness podcast and occasional writer for Mavs Moneyball and social media and digital content student associate for the New York Knicks, Ryan Mainville. And Ryan, I feel like I'm not accomplishing enough in my life, first of all, after reading that list. But thanks for being on the show today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Jeff. Glad to be here. Really appreciate the opportunity and for you welcoming me on. Just want to take a quick second to say uh, thoughts and prayers to Jarrett. Uh, thinking about you a lot lately, buddy. Hope you're hanging in there. Ryan, I really appreciate it. Thanks. Uh, all the support from uh, everybody in Red River Nation has been, been just amazing. And But going to uh, transitioning here, um, what are your thoughts on the transition from he who must not be named to Mark Adams? Yeah, I think there's a lot to be excited about. I think there's been a lot of change. I mean, for it just being two months since everything exploded and everything changed, I think we've seen parts of this of this transition where things have looked really scary. There have been a lot of pieces missing on the roster, but where we are now, I think there's a lot of really, really good things going for this team, just in terms of the roster and then the program in general. You've got the Womble up and running and doing work for you now, and obviously... I trust Mark Adams, I trust his game plan, and I really like the rest of the coaching staff that he's assembled. And what do you see that others haven't in the versatility of who he's recruiting and how he's putting together this roster? Yeah, that's a great question, Pete. There's a ton of versatility on this team, especially at the wing position, and that's really, really important. We're seeing an increase in 
just importance on the perimeter in college basketball and especially in the Big 12. You see teams like Kansas and Baylor who are lengthy and strong and shoot the ball really, really well. And what we've seen Mark Adams do is get guys who can go and they can play on the wing and they don't need to fill a specific role. What they're going to do is they're going to be able to move along wherever they want. They're going to shoot the ball well. They're going to play good defense and they're going to be able to switch onto a lot of different types of players. And the value that that creates for you on both both ends of the floor is just incredible. So uh, what are some of the holes you might be seeing that uh, still need to be filled with the three scholarships that are left? Yeah, Jeff, I don't think there's a lot of glaring holes on the roster right now that I see. I think if you want to upgrade a position group, I think you're probably looking somewhere in the front court. So whether that's a traditional four or a traditional five, um, obviously Texas Tech hosting Bryson Williams on an official visit this week. That's going to be really, really big if they can land him. He's going to do some really, really good things for this program if he can uh, obviously join the team. Then you got a guy like Kevin Samuel who gives you some size and some reliable scoring down low. But right now, I think you're in a really, really good place. You've got experienced players. You've got guys with a lot of potential. And then you've, guys, you've got guys that have been in the program for a while now. There's not a lot of areas that I see this team and I'm thinking, oh, no, here's where they're going to get exposed. I think everything has come together really well, and you're getting really close to the point where you can just focus on trying to land the best player available. In comparison, how, is, uh, the, how has the Big 12 taken advantage of the transfer portal? Yeah, it's interesting because there's been a lot of change in the Big 12 this year. I mean, obviously, you had two very noticeable coaching changes um, with two schools in Texas. And then you got a program like TCU who's trying to re- retool with a few pieces. you got a team like Baylor who's coming off a national championship and is trying to stay competitive. You've got a team like West Virginia who maybe hasn't done as much this offseason as they wanted to. They're trying to figure out where they're at. You've got a team like Oklahoma who's got a new head coach. They're trying to incorporate some some good pieces. They've done a really, really good job in the portal, in my opinion, and just building a team full of guys that I can see playing really well for, for Porter Moser. And then you've got, obviously, teams like Kansas who will return a few of their key players but are also trying to get some big talent from the portal But with Texas Tech in general, I mean, obviously, they had to utilize the portal because they really didn't have any other choice. When you go through a coaching change uh, in April, you've got to just figure it out and figure out where your guys are going, who's staying, who's going. And then when you're left with whatever mess is left over, you've got to retool. And obviously what that looked like was Texas Tech not having very many guys staying on the team, losing a handful of guys. Um, But what Texas Tech did is, again, they utilized guys that just kind of didn't seem to get recognition or get to the power five level at college basketball. So I'm thinking about guys like Adonis Arms, who played a really good role for Winthrop. That was an NCAA tournament team last year. Or a guy like Sardar Calhoun, who was a JUCO All-American, but just couldn't really break through at Florida State because their wing rotation is just so, so good. Then you've got a guy like K.J. Allen, who was Mark Adams' first pickup, who was playing for one of the best uh, community college teams in the nation last year. So I think that Texas Tech has done a really good job. And another thing I really like about Mark Adams' strategy is he's not going for the guys that have played at the biggest programs and have starred under the bright lights and have 
ranked highly in the recruiting sites. Mark Adams is, is getting guys that fit his play style. And it's just so obvious to see when you go back and you look at the film on some of these guys and you're like, oh, yeah, Mark Adams is going to love these guys because these guys play defense. They can shoot the ball. They play hard. They get into the paint. And so that's what I really like. I think Texas Tech has done just a really good job for where they're at right now at adding guys who not only will fill a role and be valuable contributors on this team, but also guys that I can see fitting into the culture really, really well. Social media and digital content student associate for the New York Knicks, Ryan Mainville, joining us on the Rockin' Pregame Show. Ryan, if people haven't seen your work on Twitter with the statistical examination of the current Texas Tech roster, what have you seen that might be an advantage people might not know yet? Yeah, so the chart shows, shows me a lot of things, and I can understand how it can be really overwhelming. Maybe the first time you open it or you try and get a sense of it, just looking at it on your phone because the photo is so small at times. But I, I think that one of my favorite parts of the chart is looking at the conditional formatting for color and just seeing where the team is really excelling and where the team maybe needs some help. And right now, the area that jumps out the most to me is the defense, the defensive counting stats. And defensive counting stats don't always mean you're a good defender. They don't always mean you're going to play good defense. But I'm really, really encouraged by what I've seen, uh, just how this team comes together on paper. This team, there's a bunch of guys who averaged at least a steal, at least a steal and a half per game last year at whatever program they were at. They're actually sitting at 10 steals per game as a unit right now on paper, which is great. Last year's Texas Tech team only averaged 7.1 steals per game. So if that comes together on the court as it does on paper, that's going to be really encouraging. Then I think another area you've got to look is is just kind of areas where maybe you think about how Mark Adams and Barrett Peary and Talvin Hester and Corey Williams are going to want to play basketball. And so things I look at are turnovers. Are guys going to be able to hold on to the ball? Right now, I think there are some, some pretty high numbers in the turnover areas, um, but I like to chalk that up to guys just playing big, big roles on lower level teams that they won't have to fill at Texas Tech. So I think that can be a number that jumps out and looks scary on paper at first, but we'll just turn around and I think it can all work out in the end. And then three point percentage. Again, a lot of shooters on this team. That's going to be really, really effective in Big 12 play, in my opinion, when you're just trying to outplay teams on the perimeter. All right, uh, Ryan Mainville with us on the Rockin' Pregame today. You brought up the coaching team. What are your thoughts from being outside the 806 for the last couple of months? What do the assistant coaches bring to Texas Tech that may surprise you, you know, among Perry, Williams, and Hester? Yeah, I've got to admit, I, I love what I've seen from Barrett Perry, and I love just the basketball coach he is. I mean, he's he's done some really good stuff on Twitter and my marketing brain really likes the way that he's developed his personal brand and used his accounts to connect with the fan base. But on the court, he just does some really, really fun things and some things that are also just kind of weird, honestly. I mean, at Portland State, he ran a bunch of press, probably pressed uh, full court more than anyone else in the nation. Uh, shot the ball so much. His team ranked in the top 10 of Division One teams in field goal attempts per game pretty consistently throughout his tenure there. His offense was incredibly fast. And so I think that's that's just one thing that sticks out. I mean, Barrett Peary obviously has been doing a great job at, at increasing his name recognition and kind of getting into the community. And 
and just getting to know people in, in Lubbock. And I think that's a great thing. But I mean, as a coach, he's also fascinating. And then you got a guy like Corey Williams, who is just a fascinating recruiter, was a part of huge things at Arkansas and landing very, very talented players like Moses Moody. I think that he can do some really great things um, on the trail. And then another guy I think can be really good on the trail is Talvin Hester, who just knows the state of Texas so well. He's going to be able to help you get the guys that you not only want, but that that want you and want to play in your system. So, you know, Mark Adams He's not the most active guy on Twitter. He's he's a very humble guy, very quiet, very, you know, he's not out there tweeting every day, not out there posting videos of himself every day. But I think that what he's assembled around him is the perfect balance of not only things that I can see making a good basketball program, but just a, a group of men that seem to really love the game and really love where they're at. And so I think that's something that Texas Tech fans can really be excited about. You know, switching gears here as a Mav fan for life, Ryan, I'd be Remiss, if I didn't ask you at least about the Mavs a little bit, because I've been a big fan of yours in terms of uh, your contributions to Mavs Moneyball. So I want to ask you, do you think Rick Carlisle returns next year? or And what do you think about Porzingis? Is he staying or is they going to ship him off somewhere? Yeah, Jared, those are both very big questions right now. And my guess is as good as yours. But what I will say is that I do think that Rick Carlisle is the head coach of the Mavericks next year. And if he isn't, I think that's going to be his choice. I don't see Rick Carlisle being fired. I think that he's done a decent job at at what he's been given. I think that the roster definitely needs some work. I think that you want to add a few more players to, to play alongside Luka Doncic, give him some extra playmaking give him some shot making i mean we just saw a playoff series against a very talented clippers team where you had to start boban marjanovic and while we all love boban that that's not exactly an ideal situation for you to be in especially when you're trying to win with your young superstar but in terms of porzingis i think that's really interesting because i cannot just i can't get a feel on on where the front office is at on him i mean he was very highly spoken of during his first couple of seasons in Dallas, even when he was on the bench hurt for the entire year after they traded for him, he was spoken very highly of. We hadn't even seen him in a Mavericks uniform yet, but now we've seen him play two seasons where he hasn't been able to stay healthy. He struggled mightily in the playoffs. Dallas had to use him like he was essentially Terrence Shannon Jr. and just try and stick him in the corner and try and get him some cuts to the basket. I just don't know what you do with him. I think if you're Dallas, if I was Dallas, I would probably try and make some calls, try and figure out what the market is like on him. But it's going to be interesting to see because there's going to be a team out there who probably wants to make a call, but they're going to have to take a risk because this is a guy who who struggled to stay, stay healthy for some time now. And so it'll be interesting to see what the market is like for him. I've been told that you're positively crazy about Chuck and Red Raider football. How many games do you think they can win, and where does this confidence come from? I've got to admit, I'm a basketball first guy. I spend most of my time watching basketball, not even exclusive to Texas Tech, but just in general. Basketball has always been my favorite sport, but I'm feeling really good about Texas Tech football, P. I really like their roster, and, and why is because... They have so much experience, and I really like the philosophy that they've gone with in rebuilding and retooling a roster to compete in a really, really tough conference. And so I like what they've done in the transfer portal. They've kind of stopped 
recruiting as much as they have in the past. And I think that that helps whenever you are kind of left with the leftovers from all the other schools in the Big 12. You're just landing three stars, two stars and hoping they pan out. And that just it hasn't been the case in the past few years. That's been a big reason why they've been so bad. But now you have a roster that is full of guys that have played so many snaps. Tech Hoop guy talks about this all the time on Twitter, and this might be one of the most experienced defenses in terms of Division One snaps played in college football history. There are just so many guys on this roster that have played so many games, and I think that can really translate. I think this will be one of the better defensive seasons they have in, in the last decade, and I also really like what Shuck can do. I think they're good at receiver. I like their running back depth, and so I think they're going to win seven games this year. I think that's a little bit bold, um, but I, I feel pretty confident with where their defense is at now. I think you're honestly, this feels so strange to say about Texas Tech football, but I think you're kind of waiting to see how the offense plays out. But that defense, I trust it. And hey, I'm with Sean. I even think they can win the bowl game. <laughs> All right. All right. A bold prediction winning the bowl game. All right, Ryan. Well, where can people find your work? Yes, yeah, so you can follow me on Twitter. Uh, you can find me at R Mainville, M A I N V I L L E, and then L B K. Or you can follow my podcast on Twitter at No Middle Madness. You can also search us on any streaming platform and you can listen to our work there. And in case you didn't catch my Twitter handle just then, it's linked in every single description of the podcast. So you can go and check us out there. But yeah, I appreciate you having me on and I'm grateful for the opportunity. All right, co-host of the No Middle Madness podcast, occasional writer for the Mavs Moneyball and social media and digital content, student associate for the New York Knicks, Ryan Mainville. And Ryan, thanks for taking the time to talk with us and uh, we'll see you soon. That's one that got away. I should have hired him. I don't know if I could afford him now. Yeah. But uh, I feel like I should have hired him before, uh, you know, uh, yeah. he got as big as he is now. So, man, That's one that got away there. there yeah. yeah, yeah, that guy knows his stuff. All right. Well, speaking of knowing their stuff, don't sell yourself short. You know a lot of stuff, too. And uh, when it comes to recruiting, Inside the Red Raiders has you covered with everything Texas Tech recruiting. And Jarrett uh, breaks it all down for us uh, coming up next. We're going to start with football, I guess, next. Sounds cool good. Either do? one. All Exciting right, stuff with both of them. All so. right, let's do football. Inside the RedRaiders.com recruiting. All right, so the next couple of segments coming up here. It's all about recruiting from Inside the RedRaiders.com, and Jarrett's going to break it down. We're going to start with uh, some football news first. But the thing I want to know, first of all, is I've, I've heard uh, this week I've heard uh, some rumors and stuff about some transfer guy from Arkansas, like a defensive lineman. Yes. And uh, what what is up? Who is this guy, and what's up with him? Yeah, Julius Coates. And somebody actually on Twitter posted that he's going to Tech. And I'm not sure if that's a done deal yet. I think it's looking really good. I think both sides want this to happen. I don't know if that's a done deal yet. But Julius Coates is a 6'6", 290-pound, experienced defense lineman from, from Arkansas, uh, honestly, he reminds—excuse me—he reminds me a lot of Tyree Wilson. I mean, just a big athlete. He's a SEC type defensive lineman, you know. Um, and I believe he has two seasons left. Uh, last year, in seven games for Arkansas, he had 24 tackles, three stops for loss, two sacks, and a forced fumble. And you watch his film; he looks better than those stats too. Listen, I, I watched his film after yeah. I heard about this. <laughs> And and I was like, oh my gosh, if Tech can land this guy, yes. I mean, he's he, yeah, he looks really good. But one thing that impressed me was his 
just speed for his size yes. and everything. Being able to, he was running down guys, you know. And, Absolutely. He's yeah. the kind of athlete that Tech just doesn't get, which I've tried to explain. And I think a lot of people are getting it now. I, I say tried. I think people are, okay, I get it, in terms of how they're attacking the transfer portal and getting guys that – this is a perfect example. Uh, Julius Coates, just quite honestly – History has shown Texas Tech doesn't land quite often. You know what I mean? In terms of that kind of size and athleticism. Uh, so, to get him, pair him with guys like Tyree Wilson. Obviously, you know, I'm a huge Tony Bradford fan. Jalen Hutchings. Just go on and on. I actually, you know, look at the defensive line, and it's what I've been hoping for for this program for, I don't know, a couple of decades, to be honest. Yeah, you know, like this is this kind of depth and athleticism. So, we'll see how how... You know, that goes with Coates, if that actually comes to fruition. Um, and then, I, you know, another position group that they, they, in my opinion, they still need to address. They've done a good job so far, but uh, is uh, DB, and specifically cornerback. Uh, and then Allie Green visited recently, and I, I, I put in a crystal ball. I've heard that, it, you know, it looks really good. Uh, that cornerback Allie Green from Tulsa, good football player, a lot of, a lot of uh, Division One or a lot of Power 5 programs, want Allie Green to join the program, and it looks like he's going to end up at Texas Tech. So all of a sudden, cornerback depth looks really good. I mean, I, if you if he comes in, I went from, oh, this is a major concern, to, man, they got some really good players. I mean, yeah. big-time athletes, guys who have started in Division One football, we know they can play football. We right, know. Yeah. It's not like I hope. Yeah, it's we know these guys. No. Yeah. We know these guys can compete with Big 12 receivers, which, man, you know, normally we have like one, like you think, Tech has one guy yeah. they feel really good about, and then you hope. Right. And don't forget, like Demarcus Fields is coming back. Right, yeah. he's a very good football player. Yeah. You know that, that a holdover. So you throw in with all you know a lot of the guys we've already mentioned that were here in the spring, whether it be the uh, you know Rashad Williams, Malik Dunlap, who's you know coming back from injury. There's some of the other guys. Obviously, Marquise Waters uh, at safety. Um, just start feeling really good about the secondary. Which man, I don't remember the last time I said, that. said that. Yeah. Right, I know. Yeah. So um, there's been, you know, now that uh, in-person recruiting is mm-hmm. back, I mean, you've actually got guys uh, coming in now to check out uh, Texas Tech, see the facilities, and uh, and also a lot of recent visitors here. Yeah, I mentioned before the offensive lineman, uh, Austin Kowake, was one of the, like, as soon as, like, June 1st, he visited. He hung out for actually several days. Now, he's going on a tour, seeing a bunch of bunch of schools, but he's a Texas Tech legacy. He's a guy I like. If you, get, if you can land him on your offensive line, that could really get the ball rolling. They had a, a four-star edge guy, which honestly I didn't know he was going to be coming in. He came in. I, he's the crystal ball is in for him to go to Oklahoma. So that's the caliber you're talking about here. Uh, he has offers from everywhere. But Derek Brown was on an unofficial, uh, also uh, the first of the month. But he's coming back. Uh, he told me uh, June 18th. So he's coming back for an official. So they obviously made an impression on Derek Brown. Now I'm not saying he's going to come to Texas Tech. But I'm telling you, there's a chance. Yes, you know, yeah. I mean, if he's coming back for an official, you know, right. I mean, I'm just saying, yeah. like, yeah. you have a chance there. He's listening to you. So that would be amazing. Uh, running back Bryson Donnell uh, from uh, East Texas, uh, he's been a high priority for the staff in terms of a 2022 recruit at, at running back. I really like him, and I think you know, you're going to have competition with this for this guy, but I think, uh, you know, you're in a good position with him. And I mentioned Allie Green, um, the cornerback from Tulsa, who I think would be huge in terms of solidifying, uh, you know, your your secondary. He visited earlier th- uh, this month, and now you got a big visitor weekend this month. You're gonna, and then honestly, the rest of this month is just gonna be ginormous. Uh, the 25th is really what I'm looking at, but even next weekend, 
uh, is going to be nice. This upcoming weekend, Terry and Williams, you know, we 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 knew before that he was going to visit, but he hit me up on Twitter last night and told me he was really excited about this official visit to Texas Tech uh, this weekend. He visited Kansas State last week, and he's got some other ones set up. Uh, but he's an interesting athlete. He can play several positions for you. And one thing I really like about how the coaching staff, this coaching staff, uh, recruits is that they're not. They don't just say, "Okay, we, you know, we like you as a corner. You're going to play, you know, corner or safety for us." That's 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 it. If a guy uh, plays like receiver and running back, and he'll play uh, some DB for his high school team, they'll say, "Hey, you know what? We like you for this, but we're going to give you a look." If you want to play some receiver or some, you know, okay, we'll give you a look. We'll give you the opportunity. And not every college is willing to do that. So, I mean, that gets the recruits' attention, you right, know, yeah. that they're going to be versatile with with his, you know, with their versatility. So, I think that's the case with Terry Williams, and I'll be interesting to see how his visit goes this weekend. And then, I, I, here, this is one of the top targets at Texas Tech. They've been recruiting this guy, I mean, it seems like forever, is Caden uh, Weatherby. He's going to come in on an official visit, office alignment out of Colorado. They, this is a guy, you know, like I said, we, we talked about before when they haven't been on guys, maybe you wish they had offered early. Well, that is not the case with Weatherby. They have recruited him. They've been on top of him for a long time. Before, I, I may have even created his profile, actually, for 24-7 sports. That's how long, you know, how much they've been on top of him. I, it's been a couple of years now. Now he's finally, this recruiting uh, dead period has been lifted. He finally gets to come in for an official, and uh, I, I'm really excited because I think there's people ask me all the time, when are they going to get that commit? Who's the next guy going to be? I'm not saying that Weatherby's close to deciding or announcing a decision, but they're in good with him. I've talked with him, I don't know how many times. He really likes his coaching staff, and if they have, he has a good weekend, he has a good visit, I think it will go, once again, a long way towards securing his commitment at some point, whether yeah. it's this weekend, four months from now, whatever. You know, uh, I, I think it. I think this could be huge this weekend. Yeah, another guy I'm uh, interested in, and I've mentioned athletes, uh, is Jeremiah Cooper. You know, he's coming in this weekend. He's just a guy that I really, you know, can you think does does Tech have a chance with this guy? How, you know, because he's so he's been so highly recruited. I mean, Baylor, Iowa State, Kansas State, uh, SMU, obviously, who's that program is is on the upswing. Uh, you know, does Tech really have a chance with this guy who? probably projects it as a linebacker at, at the next level. Well, I would say this. Tech recruits receiver and linebacker better than any other positions right now. If you if you want to look at a, at a couple of positions that Texas Tech may recruit above their head a little bit, it's those two positions. And that's the linebacker is the new thing. You know, but I think Jordan Brooks success, uh Rico Jeffers success, mm-hmm. the way that they have developed these guys in the short time, Keith Patterson. I, I think Keith Patterson because of some of his histories, he's had some good, obviously, some good stops, but he's had some tough times, too, uh, like at Arizona State. But after talking with him, seeing what he's doing X's and O's, seeing how he recruits, seeing how he develops linebackers, I've come around on Keith Patterson. And I think it's. I think we'll see some of that. Ryan Mainville actually mentioned about the defense. I think they finally have the Jimmys and Joes where maybe that that will come into fruition. Yeah. It doesn't mean I agree with everything he does, right. X's and O's uh, wise, but at least I can I can rationalize it. Where in some <laughs> right. past, I'll just say past um, defensive coordinators, maybe I was like, well, what What are they doing? Right. You know, and that's yeah. I I can't I, I can't remember that many moments with Keith Patterson, and I really love the direction uh, 
they they're going in terms of recruiting, and then of course at linebacker. I mean, the who would have thought post, of course, you know, like the Zach Thomas era, the '90s. That's different. I'm talking about this century. Who would have right. thought that you would? Do, I'd be saying this about linebacker. I mean, they really recruit linebackers that normally would never consider Texas Tech. Say, you know what? I saw what Jordan Brooks did. I see your scheme. How you're going to free it up for me to go run sideline to sideline. It'd be a lot of fun to play. I could probably play relatively early, at least that was at, at some point before they started getting all these guys in here. It makes sense. I never thought that they would be at, or this soon, let's put it that way. Now, yeah. I didn't think this soon that they'd be in a position to recruit the level of linebackers that they are. Yeah. So, oh, that's really good and then this, in, and uh, Jeremiah Cooper is further evidence of that because I think right now he has a couple of crystal balls picks in for Iowa State. And I, I could see that. You know, obviously Iowa State's program isn't a place where tech would like to be. You know, right, let's, let's yeah. face it. You know, so that's in- uh, interesting. And then one more guy I want to mention for this weekend, and this is, I can't believe I'm mentioning him last, but four star offensive lineman Alvin Iboselli from uh, Coppell is coming in. And I, and I didn't know it was this weekend until recently because I knew he had told me he was going to take official this month, but I, I hadn't been able to, to nail down an actual date with him. But I, it, it looked like, looks like it's going to be this weekend. And, this guy's recruited by everybody in the region, so um, he's one of those where you're like, okay, I don't, I don't think he's going to come to Tech because he has, has so many options. I just, mm-hmm. I really don't. But then again, I keep talking to him. He's the coaches keep more importantly, the coaches keep talking to him and he's listening yeah. and he's visiting. So well, you know, and I, the the fact, the excitement of the super regional this weekend, it helps. It does. I know base is not like basketball, but still, right? It, it helps because they're going to get to see the fans show out, and really support Texas Tech. And that's one of the special things about this place. All right. That's uh, some good news on the uh, football recruiting front. Coming up next, we move on to basketball uh, recruiting. And uh, Jarrett uh, breaks that down for us. Maybe some players from the transfer portal that are on the list of possibilities. I mean, there's rumors uh, swirling everywhere about guys you know joining the team as far as the transfer-type players. Both transfer portal and 2022 recruits got some good news for you. <laughs> I don't know, every time I hear every time I hear that guitar riff, it takes me back to when I was about eight years old. Got my first guitar. Setting eh, fires. Eh, 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 eh. Oh yeah, man. Yeah, that was that was that was a big day for me playing playing uh, playing guitar and starting some neighborhood fires. Yeah. You're starting fires with a guitar. That's right, you? Man. That's right. You know what? Have you seen the air guitar uh like world championship? Have you yeah. ever seen that? Like or and they have national they have state, national, I have not world. seen that. You actually. should do it. I think you yeah. should do it. Oh man, I think I like that. No, all the uh all the work that I that I did with the neighborhood, you know, small fires and things, it wasn't just to be a pyromaniac. It was it was learning how to deal with the pyro for my eventual rock and roll show. There you go, with fire guitar playing, you know, so uh, unfortunately, that never that never really paid. I can out, see you but, doing that. Yeah, I don't know yeah. if you've ever been. Well, you you probably have more than I have. But see, like the crews and everything. Like I, I can see you being like a crew chief. Like yeah, you, you know, think? yeah, I can yeah. see that. Yeah, well, Make, I, another I, life. I, you could have been the pyrotechnics dude. You know, I, I want I want to be the drummer. <laughs> you know, for for band actually. But uh, anyway, there you go. But hey, I, I settled for this. And, and and I think you I'm look unhappy. So. Actually, <laughs> when you said that, you're like, I settled for this. Do you, do you see the sadness in yeah, my I eyes? See it. Is that what it is? <laughs> All right, uh, more uh, recruiting from InsideTheRedRaiders.com. Jarrett's got it. Now let's uh, do uh, some basketball Absolutely. recruiting. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to cut to it. There's a lot going on, but there's two main guys that's like everyone's talking about this week. If you're a Texas Tech basketball fan, first is from the portal. It's Ford Bryson Williams, who visited earlier this week. Uh, he's been at UTIP the last two years. He was originally at Fresno State. 
230, first team all conference USA. Uh, in, in the last two years, he's averaged 16 and a half points, 7.3 rebounds, shot almost 50% from the field, 82% from the free throw line. He raised his three point shooting from like eh, pretty porous, like 23 or 24% to 36, almost 36% last year, which is just enough to where you got to honor it. You know, I mean, if you're shooting at them, 36% is pretty good. That's decent. Um, you know, UW and Arkansas are considered. Um, the main competitors, you know, obviously Texas was in there for a while. Looks like that's not going to happen. His old uh, head coach went to join he who should not be named or cannot be named uh, there in Austin. But uh, uh, Bryson Williams, it looks like, you know, the word is that um, Tech's looking really good with uh, with Bryson Williams. You get him, and we had Ryan Mainville on talking about the roster, and it really comes together. And then if you start talking about Terrence Shannon, then look out. I mean, you start. Really, and I don't think I'm one of those guys. I think Shannon's probably gone, but I'm just saying. I'm telling you, there's a chance. Uh, if you even without Shannon, you add Williams to this roster. I'm a huge fan. I'm, I'm, you know, go ahead and book your not to put any more pressure on him, but go ahead and book your NCAA tournament uh, trip because it's going to happen. Is on on the Shannon front. I mean, we're getting pretty close, aren't we, to the day? Yeah, it's July. Okay. I can't remember the exact day, but some in July. Yeah, he was okay. invited to the combine, but that doesn't necessarily mean. Uh, you know, he's gone. Yeah. A lot of people get, a lot of the players get invited to the combine. I think where I've seen him mostly is uh, mid second round. Is that enough for him to go? You have to ask TJ. You well, know, no, I mean, this is speculation. I'm just saying, like, no, I, I don't know. Yeah, who money he needs? That, I, that's I won't, perfect. <laughs> I won't lock in and hold, hold you to it. But no, no, I'm I, just wondering I, when it comes to that, you know, if a guy's going to be a first round pick, they're always gone. Second round, you know, you think probably gone, right. but if he felt a third, like if he was beyond that, I mean, is it, it would you think it'd be, you know, I, I, I felt, just speculation. Uh, yeah, speculation. Yeah. I think it's a coin toss, honestly. Yeah. Um, I think there are some things that we never consider or most people don't consider in terms of, um, is anyone fronting him where he's already considered people? Cause he's going to have people in his ears telling him, you're a first round guy. You're going, man. First yeah. round. And of course, you're confident if you're an athlete, but right. that's not what we're seeing from mock drafts and hearing from people actually within the NBA. You know, I, they they see him, they see right or wrong, they see last year's kind of a step back for him. Right. I don't think it was, <laughs> but uh, and I see him as a early second round guy, late first, early early second. That's why I think he's his talent is now. That's not where he's at right now. So I think. There's a good chance that he that he goes, but I'm not rock solid on that at all. Yeah. Okay. So, and I haven't talked with him about right. that, so I can't speak to that. Um, so you get Bryson Williams, like I said, he's you know six eight power forward, skilled player. Obviously, when I told you those those stats, uh, the shooting percentages, that's huge. But then looking to the future, this is guy. I, I, I bet I've, I don't know. I bet I've interviewed him. At least fifty times, but then I talk with him, just chatting, direct messaging with him. I don't know how many times. But Brendan Housen out of Amarillo, uh, I th- honestly he's he's rated as a three star guy, you know, top two hundred overall in the in the country, um, you know, a top twenty five shooting guard, top twenty five player basically in Texas, which those are all really good ratings. They are. Mm-hmm. I think he's better than that. Um, I, he he's a sharpshooter. I think he'd be one of your best shooters in program history. You get him. I, I know that's saying a lot, but I really believe that. Um, if you if you watch him, 
But I also think he doesn't get enough credit as a ball handler. Like, I think he can play one or two for you. I think really? he's best okay. coming. I, you want to run him off screens and all that and get him open looks. Um, and you could use him at, in terms of spacing your floor to get other guys involved. You know, I mean, he's going to, you're not going to, your defenders aren't going to run off him. They're not going to go, you know, trap the high screen and roll with him sitting in the corner. You can't. If you do, he's going to torch you. Yeah. Um, so you have competition from Iowa State, Oklahoma, um, Houston, Nevada, or Nevada, however you all say it. Uh, all those, Minnesota, Minnesota is, is legit competition. But I, honestly, I think, and I have from the beginning, I've thought that, and I know the coaching staff's changed, but they still like them. I, I think this, this uh, recruitment's going to come down to Oklahoma and Texas Tech. Okay. Those are the first two schools to recruit Brendan Housen. And uh, I think, to me, this is a huge litmus test for Mark Adams. I know that they've re-offered him, as Brendan told me, you know, and then he announced. Um, and he likes Tech. And he's been to several games. I think he wants to come here. I think he's one of those that if you don't win that recruitment, I am going to have some questions about this coaching staff's ability, just to be honest. Because not that they don't have competition, but, I mean, look where you're at. It's Big 12 basketball. You're, the guys you're recruiting, you're going to have competition for every guy. Right. You're just not yeah. going to have – I mean, unless they take a flyer on some Euro big that they've tried to keep quiet and all that. You know what I mean? One of those. Then you're going to have competition at every every turn. And Brendan Housen wants to come here, I believe. And he's interested in other schools, but he wants to come here. And if you – he's a – he's obviously in West Texas coming from Amarillo. Um, he has a unique skill set in terms of – what a great shooter he is, but in a six-four frame. Yeah, you know what I mean. And he's done it against both in summer league and for Amarillo in the playoffs against elite competition. He's taken on some of the best recruits in Texas and at least played them to a draw, yeah. if not really with their tails. So I like. I'm trying. What I'm trying to convey here is I really like this guy. I think he's an important recruit. And I really hope Coach Adams and, and staff, uh, and they know that. It's obvious. They, yeah. they know that. Yeah. Brendan knows that. Now it's time to close the deal. All right. Good stuff there from uh, InsideTheRedRaiders.com. Yeah, be sure and subscribe if you love uh, keeping up with Red Raider recruiting. Jared and his uh, his staff, they, they do an amazing job there. It's InsideTheRedRaiders.com. When we come back here, it is The Rundown. Four questions, as usual. No hedging. No push-pulling. And there's no hair-pulling either, Pete. It is the rundown next. No hedging your bets. Time to get your opinions on the record. Be prepared to defend it. It's the rundown. Jeff, who will be the Lubbock Super Regional MVP? You know, it's it's tough to predict these kind of things. You know, it seems like a lot of times in series like this, there will be a guy that may step up and and be a hero that you weren't even expecting. But if I really had to roll the dice and go with somebody, I think I'm going to go with the the obvious and go with uh, Jace Young. Very nice, Pete. Which team will hit more home runs this weekend, Stanford or Tech? I'm going to go 4-2 Tech. Uh, Jace is going to hit a homer. I'm going to go two from Braxton Fulford and one from Nate Rombach. No. Very nice. Jared, since we talked Mavericks, I have to ask, the head coach of the Dallas Mavericks in the fall of 2021 will be? Oh, it's going to be Rick Carlisle, and I'm glad. I'm glad. Uh, I know the last decade hasn't been tremendous, but he won a title, and I, he's one of the most respected coaches in the league. Finally, for everyone... Uh, Will the Red Raiders head to Omaha, Jeff? You know what? Uh, last weekend, I, that question, I would have said no. But the the way that they're playing right now, and they have kind of taken to a just another level, the pitching has been really good, and that was the thing I was the most worried about. 
but it's been it's been really good. So you know what? You asked me today. I'm going to say yes. They're going to go to Omaha. Pete. Yeah, I got tech too. I mean, I hope they can do it in two straight. But I, I hope when we do the show next Friday, I'm on the phone from Omaha. Jared. Hope we have some more stories from the road too. I don't know if we can share all of them, but good night. It's it's uh, it's some of the best stuff ever, best stories ever. And everybody in here knows what I'm talking That's about. Right, but yeah. but yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not going against Tadlock and and this team again after last week. You know, I thought the bullpen was going to be was going to hurt them like Jeff was alluding to. I think they gave up two runs all the regional. Yeah, they were really something like good. that. The bullpen did. Uh, so. Okay, I'm, I'm not betting against this team or Tadlock going along. Yeah. And that, my friends, is your rundown. All right, thanks for joining us today for the Rockin' Pregame. The Red Raider Outfitter Rockin' Pregame, brought to you by Red Raider Outfitter, Sonko, Meineke, Fortenberry Roofing, Western Water Well Drilling and Pump Service, The Equipment, and Mitch Hall Chevrolet Buick GMC in La Mesa. Our thanks to studio engineer Nick Toshek. Producers Pete Christie, Sean Dillon, Jared Johnson, Jeff Scott, Alpha Media Senior VP Jay Richardson, Voice Talent and DeWig, Troy Duran, Engineer Dave Fernandez, and Director Executive Producer Sean Dillon. For Super Recorded. For Pete Christie, Sean Dillon, Jared Johnson, and Jeff Scott, Rackham Tech from the Red Raider Outfitter Rock and Free Game on 101.1 The Beard. The views of the proceeding are those of the participants and may not necessarily be those of Alpha Media USA or its advertisers. This is a production of Alpha Media Lubbock. Pre-game. The Red Raider Outfitter Rockin' Pre-Game brought to you by Red Raider Outfitter, Sonko, Meineke, Fortenberry Roofing, Western Water Well Drilling and Pump Service, The Equipment, and Mitch Hall Chevrolet Buick GMC in La Mesa. Our thanks to studio engineer Nick Toshek. Producers, Pete Christie, Sean Dillon, Jared Johnson, Jeff Scott, Alpha Media Senior VP, Jay Richardson, Voice Talent, and DeWig, Troy Duran, Engineer, Dave Fernandez, and Director, Executive Producer, Sean Dillon. For Super Recorded. For Pete Christie, Sean Dillon, Jared Johnson, and Jeff Scott, Rackham Tech, from the Red Raider Outfitter Rockin' Pre-Game on 101.1 The Beard. The views of the proceeding are those of the participants and may not necessarily be those of Alpha Media USA or its advertisers. This is a production of Alpha Media Lubbock.